This is the fourth episode of the No Degree Podcast. This is your host, Janaid Iqbal, and today's guest is David Alto, who comes with all types of life experiences. I know you will enjoy this episode as I learned so much from David. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show isn't possible without you. Let's get the show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. And today I have a special guest. His name is David Alto, and I'll let him introduce himself. All right. Hey, thank you very much for having me on. I really do. Uh, I really do appreciate it there. So my name is David Alto. I am currently a district manager with the world's largest rent-to-own company, and I'll go ahead and throw it out there, with Rent-A-Center. So I oversee six locations in my area. I'm pretty rural, so I do have to travel by car an awful lot, two to 3,000 miles a month. I enjoy uh, leading others. I've been in this industry for quite some time. Every day is a, a new day to uh, you know, inspire and train and develop people. Wow. So 2,000 miles a month. I drive two to three. I drive 2,000 miles a month almost. So it's like to meet someone else who understands how much that is. It's it's cool. So let me just quick share a quick story about how we sort of met. I've been super active on LinkedIn for a few months and somehow we crossed paths and I just happened to connect with you and I guess through some groups and I always love your content and you know, you're always providing a lot of value and those are the people I sort of resonate with. And then you know, we got to talking and then now I learned that you didn't have a degree. And I was like, I got to have this guy on. He has so much to share, a wealth of knowledge and just an overall great guy. So let's start back from the beginning. You have a good job where you oversee six stores. What was the beginning? Like, what was your sort of first job? And I know you didn't have the degree. So how was it getting a job, especially in this day and age where so many jobs say requires a bachelor's or bachelor's preferred? Sure. I'll take it even really far back. So. My parents were there. They were in their mid forties when I was born, and I am. Uh, I turned fifty this year. So my dad was uh, a machinist, but never went to school. But he was a darn good machinist, and you know, just you know, that momentum just kept on building. You know, he got one job, led to another, led to another. My dad was in World War II, so he learned a lot of skills. Uh, you know, in there as well. You know, I just came from. Not a lot of family members went to college. It's not like it was something that was frowned upon. You know, it didn't happen. So college wasn't necessarily, you know, a a path that I wanted to go. Now, I did attend college for a brief period of time. I went to school to uh, be an accountant. And I'm glad that I took some of the courses I did. I only went for a brief period of time. I learned that real quick that I could not sit behind a desk all day long. I did, you know, learn some tricks and trades, uh, you know, of taking some courses. College just wasn't for me at that particular time. At the same time, my daughter was born. So going to school just needed to be put on the back burner. And then life happened, right? Had to work, had to get a job. You know, I really didn't think about, uh, you know, going to school again, really. Okay, cool. So what was that first job? Because, you know, you realize that you don't want to go to school because sitting behind the desk, like I worked a desk job. And you know what? If you're a mover, you're a go-getter, you sort of feel like you're trapped in a cage. It's like you have a leash and it's like you're physically held back because there are so many things you can do behind the desk, right? Life is not experienced behind the desk. 
Sure. So, I mean, I think I was like everybody else, you know, had some fast food jobs and that led to another, you know, a, a better job, which led to a better job. And, you know, still I, I made things work. Sometimes I had, uh, you know, had to have two jobs and that was fine. One full time and maybe one part time to, to pay the bills. And I just progressed, right? Because, you know, let's face it, those fast food, part-time jobs, you know, minimum wage jobs, those are there to springboard into something else to something else. And then I started in the rent-to-owned industry in 1994. And I knew some people that that worked there, got a job there. And that led to me being assistant manager. Then I was recruited by Rent-A-Center, became a assistant manager with them within six months. They saw potential, became a store manager, was a store manager, thought I made it, right? Yeah. They, oh, I had people say, well, why don't you think about becoming a district manager? I'm like, oh man, I didn't go to school for that. You know, how in the heck am I ever going to, you know, how could I lead that many people, right? I haven't been, you know, I don't know how to mentor people, training people really developed for me yet. And really one person just saw potential in me. His name is uh, Kevin Osborne. He was my district manager at the time. And I live in the state, lovely state of Washington. Of course, we love our Seahawks, go Hawks. Russell Wilson's motto was, you know, why not me, right? Why not you? You know, I just accepted the fact that others saw things in me and I went for it and did the things I needed to do, became a uh, district manager. And now I've been a district manager for uh, quite some time. And there's the story of me, I guess. That's a very interesting story. So let's go back to the fast food day, right? Because I work fast food, I work Popeyes, and then I worked at the Barnes and Nobles Cafe. And I see a lot of people like they work that fast food and they sort of stay stuck in that industry, right? A lot of these jobs, as you move up, you could have stayed stuck, right? So what sort of helped you or what skills helped you go on to the next one? Right. When you sort of realize like, hey, my time in fast food is up. Let me go to the next one. And was it that these opportunities just came your way or you went out and actively looked for it? It wasn't my first job. I I remember working at Burger King senior year of high school. And, you know, in the summertime after I graduated high school, I wanted as many hours as I could. Right. So, you know, volunteering for this shift, for this shift, for this shift. And then uh, I got employee of the month, right? At 18, you know, employee of the month. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I asked them, so why why employee of the month? Is it because I'm working all these hours? And they go, no, it's it's your dedication to, to help others, to make sure that we're providing, you know, the best food for, for our customers. Uh, you go out of your way to make our new hires feel welcome and train and develop them. So I guess I was training and developing early and I just didn't uh, know that I would be doing it for uh, my entire career. And that really made me feel good. Now, I was only there two months. Why? Because I actively started, you know, applying for other jobs and all of those jobs should springboard you into something else. I mean, I do know people that have, you know, started at McDonald's entry level and worked their way up, you know, pretty darn far within the, you know, within the company, even some corporate trainers that started, you know, making fries, right? So it's really what you do with the opportunities and listening to others in regardless of what industry that you're in that again should springboard you into doing more so what were some other jobs you had along the way right early so you had the you said the burger king and then what was something else and and you mentioned how even the skills you learned at burger king right and how you were at burger king is something that sort of set you apart that you didn't just go and 
make the burgers and put in the fries and just take the orders. You made sure that you were a respectable employee where someone could come in and say, wow, I like that kid. He's going above what he's supposed to do, right? We're paying him minimum wage, but he's worked more than that. My next job right after that was at a lumber mill. My brother actually helped me get that job because he was there for a long time. And I've pretty, I've been pretty physically fit uh, my entire life, and I you worked. Still are. With, uh, I try. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that job was very physical. I mean, we are moving boards that weigh an awful lot and doing it all day, regardless of the the weather conditions. Really hot, cold, snow, and you know, I guess what that job taught me, even though I didn't get to interact with coworkers a whole lot, didn't get to mentor and develop and train, like kind of even what I was doing at Burger King. But that job taught me every job provides a service, can provide meals, you know, on the table, right? But I met interesting individual. He was our foreman. His name was Brian. And we were eating lunch one lunch one day and he says, David, so what have you done before? What do you want to do? you know, in the future. And I'm like, well, I'd like to be a foreman at the lumber mill, maybe do some, you know, again, uh, I could see myself being here for a long time. He told me, you know what, why don't you just stay throughout the summer and go do something else? He really told me, he goes, you could do so much more. We had an employee get hurt uh, one day at the lumber mill and get hit, you know, get hurt pretty, pretty bad. He didn't have any family at all in the area. And I said, no, nope, I'm going to go in the ambulance with you. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to stay at the hospital with you. Well, the next day when I got to work, I got written up because I left my, you know, position. Wow. Yes. And, you know, the foreman was pretty, pretty upset that I did and that, that I got written up because uh, somebody else, his supervisor did. And a few weeks after I had left uh, because I didn't want to work for a place that didn't uh, respect their you know, their coworkers like that. So I left and then worked at as a dishwasher at a local restaurant. And this restaurant, uh, you know, at the time uh, provided just amazing prime rib and other known for a lot of a lot of other things, you know, but there was never a time that I did a job that I was ashamed of doing ever. I was a dishwasher. I made it to head dishwasher. I was so proud when I made it as a head dishwasher because then I got I got full time. I got benefits. I got more hours. I got to make my schedule. You know, when we look back at the different things that we've done in the past, we shouldn't feel ashamed of any job that we did. I remember when I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old delivering newspapers. I guess that was really technically my first job. And those skills, I didn't realize this until about a year ago that I use those today in our industry. So in the rent to own industry, we call if somebody is renting something in their past due, well, guess who calls them? The coworkers at the store. So not only we do sales, we do collections. I went door to door at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, knocking on doors saying, hey, I need to collect some money for your newspaper this month, right? I didn't realize that I was, that was going to be another part of my career, the ease of going up to somebody's house, knocking on their door. Hey, you're renting a TV from us and your payment came due quite a while ago. And uh, I need to either, either collect a, a payment or a payment plan or maybe pick up the TV. So, you know, looking back, all of those different jobs that we do can lead into something else as long as we really learned and took something and implemented that into our lives. 
I really love what you said that you were never ashamed of any job that you had because I come across a lot of people and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm just this. I'm just a waiter. I'm just a dishwasher. And it's like, look, when I worked at Popeye's, it wasn't an easy job. And it's like at the end of the day, people, that job only exists because people are using your service and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a lot of people without degrees they sort of fall into the thing like oh you know what anybody can do this job it's like no you know what being a dishwasher isn't easy you could take someone who went through all the schooling in the world and you know what they'll get tired and it's not an easy task and it's also cool that you always kind of looked at everything as a positive like who thinks like oh yeah my experience as a newspaper boy at 12 to 13 is going to come in handy many years later also a quick question so you started in burger king now, what was minimum wage then when you started? <laughs> well, my very, very, very first job that I didn't have very long, uh, it was 16 years old. I worked at Abby's Pizza in East Wenatchee, but I didn't have that very long. But uh, minimum wage, uh, three something, 35 or whatever. And if you got a nickel or a 15 cent raise, that was a big deal, right? You know, now maybe not so much, but uh, yeah, um, it was about 335. But I don't even remember back then going, oh my God, I only make minimum wage. You know, I am a terrible person. And, you know, nobody thought that I, at least the people that I hung around with, we never did. Uh, I know when I went from Burger King to the lumber mill, I went from three something to $7 an hour. Do you realize with my friends, now I was 18 at the time, I think enough years have passed that I cannot be held criminally, but you know, I was the one that I'm like, paycheck comes, guess what? I'm buying beer. So now maybe I'm not buying beer because I wasn't 21. So I get somebody else to buy it. Don't do that, kids. You know, that's not good. But anyway, but no, $7 an hour making twice as much as minimum wage. That was a big thing at 18 years old. And I felt pretty good. Now, looking back, one of the things I did not do was save that money very well. So I would, uh, you know, occasionally when I put a little post on LinkedIn about, uh, Dave's financial boot camp or whatever, just something being somewhat silly. But uh, no, even at 18, you should still be trying to put something away in 401k or using all the online um, uh, banks to save for money or acorns or whatever you want to use. You should be uh, uh, saving for the future. So that's about the only thing maybe that uh, life lesson that I didn't know back then. And we just didn't have things like that. Uh, you know what? There weren't a lot of resources. Now it's like you go online and you can find information about everything. And there's always so much. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. And like I said, you got to where you are today. So, yeah, I could imagine that increase in salary because I when I had a job at Barnes and Nobles and I think it was an error. But the first week, my paycheck was like seven fifty or seven seventy five an hour. No, that was the first paycheck that I was supposed to get. They forgot to give it to me because they got lost in the system. So the first paycheck I actually got was eight seventy five. And a few weeks later someone in payroll was like, Oh, we forgot to give you this check. So the paycheck I saw was seven seventy five. So I think they gave me a dollar raise by accident because I earned more than the people who had been there two years because they were at 825. So I never said anything. And then when I got the raise, I got to $9. But it was just like, and that I came from a $7.15 job the previous summer or two summers ago. I think especially at the lower end, like the raises, they're like astronomical. It's like, wow, I'm rich now. <laughs> it's funny how we look back. Yeah. You know, getting a quarter raise or whatever, like, oh, heavens. But, you know, now again, you know, with inflation and whatever, you know, obviously a quarter wouldn't be all that much. Yeah, now it's like the, you know, your 315 is like less than a Starbucks coffee, right? A Starbucks oh, latte. Oh, yeah, I can't walk in there and 
under five, six bucks. Yeah. So you had these jobs. Now, what was like, I guess, the first big job, right? That you kind of went from like the dishwasher. What was like the next like huge leap that you made? Sure. I would say in uh, 94, when I worked for a company called Quality Rentals, they're in the rent-to-own industry, same thing as like Rent-A-Center. I would say that. Um, started off entry level, became an assistant manager uh, really soon. And that's when I started making at least what I thought was, you know, somewhat okay money. And I was really proud, you know, assistant manager. I got business cards. First time ever I got business cards. That was a big deal. And that's not when with this Vista print and anybody, you know, I anybody can be, I can be the CEO of Dave's uh, financial boot camp now, right? Uh, but, you know, back then, again, that, that was a big deal. Got my first business card. I was proud to give those out to family and friends or potential customers. And then when I was recruited by Rent-A-Center in 98, a store manager with Rent-A-Center came into our location. He was really shopping, pretending to buy something. Then he called me up a couple hours uh, later and just said wanted to meet for coffee. And then, you know, a, a little while later, I uh, jumped ship because at the time, Rent-A-Center had a thousand stores. Little Quality Rentals was just a regional rent-to-own company, and they had about oh, 20 or 30. And I'm moving up. And then um, I was only in place as assistant manager with Rent-A-Center for about six months before I got my first store. And that's when I officially said, you know what? I might be able to buy a house someday, right? I can buy a decent, a really decent car now that uh, I'm a store manager making a little bit of uh, a little bit of money. And boy, again, I thought be a manager forever. You know, you know, again, I thought I had made it then. Interesting. Looking back at what you're telling me, I kind of see that the key trait that you had is you are always have gratitude. Even talking back, I see the joy in your face where you're like, hey, I got business cards, right? It's like, I see how... Even now, you're you're at a much higher level. You're a much later stage of your life, but you still remember each of the small wins. Do you think that played a big part in your success? Looking back, yes. To this day, when somebody gets a business card or somebody gets promoted, I try to remember how I felt and make sure that they allow themselves to feel like that too. Maybe it's a store manager of mine that finally buys their first house, right? Or maybe they buy their first car that's not more than, you know, 15 years old, right? Those are big wins for them and their families. So I allow them to make sure that they feel really good and make sure that they know I feel really good for them too. And they can see that in my face. They can hear that in my voice. And that is really important because I think back of the people that, that again, touch my life throughout my all the different careers and how they made me feel. I think that we sometimes forget that as leaders that, you know, it's not always about metrics. It's not always about finishing first. You know, we get things done through others. But when others know that we genuinely care about them, that's when you get the metrics that you want. That's when, you know, you get the accolades and everything like that. Uh, just recently, I had a coworker in one of my stores tell me he's putting in his notice and he gave us a, almost a two month notice and that he was going to go do his photography thing that he's always wanted to do. I could have been the employer going, oh man, now I got to I got to fill that position. Now I got to, ah, oh, geez, that's going to make my manager's job harder. That's going to make my job harder. Our metrics aren't going to be because we're going to have to hire somebody and train them and develop them. No, 
what did I do? I went to that store that next day, shook his hand, gave him a hug, congratulated him and said, man, you're going to get to do what you've wanted to do for a long time. And I am so happy, you know, you get to do that. I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're leaving. I'm really not because he's a really great performer, but because he's getting, he is so excited getting to do something he really wants to do. That's what I feel great, you know, really, you know, grateful for. So, and I can think about the time when I left Burger King to go do something else. A lot of times we, there's some managers in those situations at Burger King and McDonald's that maybe don't have a lot of management experience and, and leadership that would probably be mad or, uh, Dave, you're going to make my job. Hell, you know what? I'll just give you all the crappy shifts until you leave. Looking back, they didn't do that either. They were happy that I was able to do, you know, something else and make more and provide more and learn more. So, Looking back, I had a lot of people, again, in my life that are doing the things that I feel obligated, I guess obligated, you know, I try to act with a servant's heart and be a servant leader. And I think being a servant leader means you put in other people first. Yeah, like, I really love that because I tell companies that I come across, I, I let them know that your employees and your former employees are your best advocate. And it's like, if someone leaves... And they can leave on a positive note. No employee employer is perfect. But if they can say, you know what? I grew at this place. I learned a lot. If their friends want to work there, they say, you know what? It's not bad to apply. I think this is what you'll get. Because what I hear now, I've been to a lot of career recruiting places. And it's like, everybody's there. They say the same thing. Oh, I want to work here because of the people. Because of people. And then, you know what? Next year, I see they have a different job. And they say the same thing. And then, but when I talk to these people behind closed doors, they say, oh, you know what? The manager sucks. This sucks. I'm not appreciated and all that. And it's like, you know what? If I were to ever look for a job, that's going to be one of my big factors. Like I know someone personally, I have inside info, right? Regardless of what a company website says that where we won this award, we won that award. Like now I know that I would ask you working under you is very good. So it's that I really love how you said that you're a servant leadership that a lot of times people think leadership is being above someone, but it's really you're behind them, pushing them forward. Right. Would, would you say that? Yes. And I'll, I'll even take it another step further. My employees don't work for me. I work for them. So I don't get my results that I want to achieve without them. You know, I'm not in the stores handling the, you know, the customers, talking to the customers, doing all those things, right? They are. So again, when I leave a store and I've been there maybe for the day or half a day and we've done some training, some role plays, whatever we've done, I think to myself before I get in my car and leave, during the time I spent there, are they better, you know, for me being there? Not because I'm some awesome person, but did I teach them something? Did they have a light bulb moment? What did they learn either about themselves, about the business, just about anything in general for me being there? Because let's face it, on their P&Ls every month, it says district manager allocation. And that is my salary, my travel, you know, everything all lumped into one. They better have, you know, got something, uh, you know, out of me for being at that uh, at that store. So again, yeah, my people don't work for me. I, I you know, I work for my team. So you mentioned light bulb moment, right? For you, you want to have your employees have that light bulb moment. What was your light bulb moment? And we probably had several, but what was one that sort of stood out? Or you can talk about the, the several that you've had. Oh, I think that's pretty easy. I think back to 
well, back in probably 2005, 2006, when my mentor, uh, Kevin Osborne, I was a store manager and he was my district manager. And we would go to lunch maybe every two or three weeks. And we wouldn't talk about work. We would talk about leadership, what book I was reading next. He assigned me a book every other month and then asked me to do a little book report on it. And I look back and doing those book reports really after you read a book allows you to really even continue the journey of the book inside inside the mind. And I tell people, if if I give you a book or an audio book to read, I do expect a little just some little blurbs or a little report on what you learned because you'll actually learn more by doing that. But I think back at the, the, the time and really the light bulb moment of believing that I could be a district manager someday because of the leadership traits, that was the light bulb moment when I really realized that what I was doing, I could do not only at one store, but multiple locations. Because uh, when I became a district manager in 2007, I believe I had nine or 10 locations. That's a big jump from going to just a few direct reports inside a store to having many others. So the light bulb moment was that I could do it. I was good enough. And then I had another light bulb moment maybe a few weeks ago as well, too, that I'd be happy to share if you want me to. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I feel really good about doing what I'm doing in my current role with my current company. Why? Because I've been doing it a long time. But I allowed myself a couple weeks ago to say that I'm good at some of the things that I've been doing on LinkedIn, providing coaching, providing LinkedIn profile advice, career advice, because it's come so within a short window, you know, last six, seven, eight months, I guess you could say, that I didn't allow myself to say I was even good at it yet until others saw it in me. Let me stop you. It. All right. So he's saying he's good, but trust me, he's great at it. Like I, I, I follow a lot of people on LinkedIn. I'm there for hours a day and David stands out. So he, if he says he's good, trust me, he's two levels above that. So continue. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Last two or three weeks, somebody asked me, humility without bragging or you know being humble without bragging and when i found the answer to that that allowed me to say that okay i'm good at what i'm what i'm doing without sounding the you know i'm boasting or bragging you know about my skills and experiences and i have learned that it's okay to say you're good at something or or great at something it is okay because when you feel that way about yourself, then you allow yourself, I think, to do more. So, you know what? If you're at Burger King right now, right? And you are allow yourself to feel good about what you're doing. Every job should be a, just a springboard again to something bigger and better. Allow yourself to feel that, you know what? What you do has meaning. Do it 100% regardless of the job, you're going to get noticed and it's going to feel good regarding, regardless of whatever job that you have. Do it 100% and know that you can learn something from delivering newspapers. I'd even talk about selling worms on the street corner. I was probably 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And we had a big backyard. And me and my dad, uh, before we went fishing, would always lay this board. We would water the dirt by these trees. We'd lay a board on it. and We'd, we'd water it, lay a board on it late at night, wake up really early in the morning, lift the board up. All these night crawler worms would be there. We'd pick them up and use them to go fishing. Well, there was so many of them that, and uh, 
about a block away, we had this busy street corner and I put out a sign, worms for sale. I can't remember how much I sell them for. I can't, I just can't tell you. Well, we do it on the weekends and I'd sell some. And my best customer, I still remember this. My best customer was this gentleman that had piranhas at his house. Now, I don't know if you're illegally, you're you're supposed to, but he had a big fish tank. He said he bought worms from me. Why? Because they they were very inexpensive. His piranhas loved them. Anyway, so I was a, gainer, a Gary uh, Vaynerchuk at uh, a really a really young age. I just didn't know it yet. Selling uh, worms on the street corner by myself. My parents didn't care. It was a different. It was a it was a simpler time way back in the in the Stone Ages where that you just had to watch out for the dinosaurs when I was younger. Um, no, I'm not not quite that old. But anyway, yeah, I, was, I guess I was hustling. I was, uh, I was hustling at uh, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and I didn't even know it. Going back, you mentioned that you had a mentor, right? So, have you had several mentors, and how important were these mentors to your success? I have had several mentors. I think mentorship works best when you don't call somebody and say, "Do you need a mentor?" or "I need a mentor." You make it grow organically. Meaning, say you're on LinkedIn and somebody with vast amounts of knowledge is willing to connect with you and share things with you. And then you take that relationship. Maybe you make a phone call. Maybe you do a Skype, whatever it is. I think the best mentorships grow organically. You don't sit down one day, I'm going to mentor you and do this. No, I think they grow and you don't realize what you're doing together until you are. I agree because my current mentor, you know, I was at a pitch, a little pitch night, open mic night where people pitch and they get feedback and ask questions. So I pitched and my mentor pitched. And you know what? We just really resonated what we were doing with each other. And I was like, we followed up. Right. And then we came at another event and then slowly we just kept in touch. And now it's like we talk several times a week. And, you know, she has helped me so much because she saved me years of learning because I'm only 28 and she has years of corporate experience. So she has a way of saying, hey, you know what? You can approach this company this way because I just don't have that experience. So I think what you said is that it just happens naturally. Like, did I think that day that I want her as my mentor? It just sort of happens as like a friendship where someone has knowledge. And I'm pretty sure you taught your mentors things too, because I have some knowledge that she doesn't. And so I'm telling her, hey, this is how you use LinkedIn. These are the strategies you could use online. And then she's telling me the stuff like the corporate experience and, you know, dealing with companies. So going on to LinkedIn, what sort of started, what caused you to get on the platform? Because I know it's not been too long, probably like seven to eight months, which is sort of, I'm a little under, but what caused you to sort of get to that point where it's like, you know what, let me post on LinkedIn, right? It's not just the, I'm not, it's not just a job site, right? And for recruiters. I know there's a way for me to go back and look, but I would say that uh, I've probably had a LinkedIn profile for about eight or nine years. Now, now, profile, you know, well, it really wasn't use it. Yes. And it has been about seven, eight months that I've been extremely active and I'll, I'll share, I'll share the why. So about a year ago, the company I work for, we were going to sell and then start slowly franchising some locations. It was a very uncertain time. It really was. So let's face it, in early 2019, I started using LinkedIn to go, holy, you know what? I need to look for, you know, before really stuff happens, right? So here's what I started doing. I started posting my resume and connecting with recruiters, doing all the things that everybody looking for work does on LinkedIn until I realized 
I was doing it all wrong. Why? Because I didn't get any responses. So I found a job here locally in my home area that I wanted to apply for. And so what did I do? Well, I decided, you know what, this, what I'm doing isn't working. So let me find some people that work for this organization on LinkedIn, ask a few people some questions, right, about what they do. Do they like the culture? So a couple people responded. One gentleman messaged me back and forth and then finally said, hey, you live here locally. Let's just meet for coffee. We met for coffee. He shared his experiences prior to working at this company. I shared my experiences. They were very similar. We were very like-minded. After that cup of coffee, he said, you know what? You'd be a great candidate for X position. And you know what? I know this other position is going to open up soon. As soon as it does, I'll put you in for a referral. So that happened. And I got a call. I ended up getting two phone interviews. And then with this particular company, for any middle or upper higher management, they do four in-person interviews back to back to back. Wait for it to back. So four one-hour interviews. Oh, man, that's brutal. Yes. In the same little office, bigger, not much bigger than a janitor's closet. Let's just, I did not get the job, but you know what? That's okay. Because I learned finally how to make meaningful connections on LinkedIn to then again, potentially get a referral, get an in. Maybe you talk to a CEO. Maybe you talk to a hiring manager. Maybe you do talk to a recruiter that does have some influence because of his or her current position. So that's when I really learned truly how to use LinkedIn. And then shortly after that, a gentleman by the name of Corey Warfield, I'm sure that some of you know, Corey reached out to me. We connected on LinkedIn. Then he sent me another message and said, let's connect. And I'm like, we're already connected. He goes, no, let's have a phone call. Let's have a phone conversation. Thinking, oh my, this is, he is a huge influencer and wants to talk to me. So anyway, so we spoke, uh, we talked about my, uh, what I was currently doing, what I wanted to potentially do. We talked about the interview that I had. And he said, you know what, David, I'm glad you didn't get that job. Because based on everything that you told me, there you got more things coming in the works. And I'm glad you didn't. Let's stay in touch. Stay connected. If I can ever help you again, you know, let me know. And when I left, I think, I think we only talked for about 20 minutes. But after that, we have people on this platform that are willing to reach out and help each other. And after that call, I just felt the need when I can to help somebody else. Darn it. I'm going to do it. Because if Corey can find time in his busy day to reach out to little old me to help me. You know, that was very impactful. And to be honest, I enjoy connecting with others, helping others. In fact, it has allowed me to really find what I'm truly passionate about. And that is providing guidance, maybe career advice, like I said before, LinkedIn profile advice, maybe some career coaching, because I get to share in my journey and what I've learned and use those best practices as and and my current uh, skills of what I do uh, in my professional life to help others. And that has really just set me on my journey. And uh, we'll see what happens in the next six months. Okay, cool. And you know what? I see it when I message you, you're pretty responsive. And you know what? I get messages all the time. And it's like, I try to help out where I can, right? Even by sending them a link or giving them a resource that, you know, to have them have their mini light bulb moment. Now, you mentioned that you, you know, your mentor would assign you books. So are you an avid reader? And if so, what book are you reading now? And what are some books that sort of stood out? Because I travel, I do a lot of audiobooks. And 
I enjoy audiobooks for really one reason and one reason only. You either get to hear the author or a paid professional speaker. You get to hear the passion behind the words. You know, when you're reading a book or, uh, you know, on, on a Kindle or whatever, a paperback book, you can put in your mind what the author is trying to get. But boy, for at least for me, audiobooks really resonate with me. The very first book I was given to read was a very long time ago, and that was The One Minute Manager. And that really resonated with me. And for entry-level managers or people aspiring to be leaders, it's a very quick uh, or a quick book. I do not suggest the audio version of that because the audio version just is not as good. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I probably listen to that three or four times a year. And the reason I do a couple times for me, but other times if I if I assign it to somebody else to read or listen to, I want to listen to it again just so I can hear some of those uh, keywords and get inspired again. That way, when they have to re- give me a book report, we can talk about the same things. I try to le- I read a book at least every other week, uh, maybe sometimes more. Maybe it's a topic I just want to learn something about. But reading allows you to gain experience and knowledge. Maybe you read a book that just doesn't resonate with you. Well, that's okay too, because then if somebody asks you a book that is very like-minded, maybe you can save them the, the heartache by telling them you know, what books not to read. But when I suggest a book that I've read, I really try to think about who could benefit. You know, Maybe it's a college student getting ready to enter the workforce or somebody, again, with no degree that could benefit and learn. So Education, I know we're talking about no degree, but education is to educate you to do a particular skill field industry. Now, unless you're a doctor, a lawyer, and there's engineers, you need to go to school. Yes, but you can get knowledge from listening and sharing with others, reading a particular book on a particular topic that you enjoy. So education doesn't have to be the college degree that's you know sitting in your office. It could be my degree above my head. I know your your listeners uh, can't see it, but I have a degree in surfing because I have a <laughs> right above my head. I have a little picture, a little certificate that uh, I did some uh, a little surfing course and rode a one foot wave. I'm pretty proud of that. There'd be no way I get out there and ride the tubes with everybody else. But when it comes to books, again, all you're doing is educating yourself. And don't think that just because you don't have a degree, you can't do such amazing things. But let's face it, we know of several successful people in life with went to college for a brief period of time or did not go to college and ended up pretty good. So Yeah, no, I think I know a couple. I know you, right? <laughs> so oh. let's let's really wrap it up. What would you so if someone doesn't have a degree, right? Or they're in crossroads, right? They're 18, maybe they think about going to school. What advice would you have for them? I'm 50 years of age and I finally found what I'm truly passionate about. And that doesn't mean I wasted the last, you know, the first chapters of my life. So passions can find themselves in anything and everything. I would say uh, try different things. And when I say try different things, you know, maybe it's you read a book or you take a Udemy course or you take a LinkedIn learning course on something and that resonates with you. Regardless of the job that you're currently doing, you have to learn something from it, interact with others, do it 100%. Even if you're that dishwasher, even if you're flipping burgers at Burger King, you're working at the lumber mill, you can still interact with others. You can learn from others, ask people advice, 
ask how they got there. And one thing, when you apply for a job that says you must have a degree, a lot of people then do not apply. But I know for a fact that in most careers, even if it says that, it does not mean you have to have it for them to hire you. If you have had the skills, if you've already done something very similar to what that degree might be in, they will consider you even if you do not have a degree because there are still many people like myself that just because you have a degree doesn't mean you can do the job. If you've been doing the job already and uh, a degree is preferred, after spending a few minutes on an interview or a phone, you know, a very quick phone screening or whatever, you can find out what what he or she knows. And so, again, do not let that uh, hinder you. I would say you make meaningful connections on LinkedIn, leads to some phone calls, some messaging back and forth with some hiring managers or people already in the roles. And you'll find that to be true too. You do just because it says a degree required does not mean they will not hire people without a degree. Thank you, because I've seen a lot of people sort of get discouraged from applying. And you know what? It doesn't hurt to apply and take like a few minutes to sort of fill out the application because you really never know. And at the end of the day, if you can really sell yourself and you can show the passion and the experience, right? Sometimes they may say, why not? Right. Because at the end of the day, you get hired to do a job. So if you can show that you can do the job, right, what does the degree matter? Right. Because you can have all the degrees in the world. If you can't do the job, it doesn't really mean much. 100% correct. I interview plenty of people in what I do for a living. And we're talking with people with lots of skills and maybe lots of degrees, a master's, bachelor's. And just because you have that piece of paper, in fact, you know, I've passed on more than few people because they haven't had any work experience or their thought process just isn't what I need it to be. But sure enough, that person that I interviewed that has no degree really resonated with me. I know that they'll do a fantastic job and see them actually maybe even trying harder, you know, to prove themselves to other people because they do not have a degree. Okay, cool. So how would someone sort of get in contact with you or sort of follow you or support what you're doing? What would be the best way for someone to reach out to you? At least for me, I connect with everybody and anybody on LinkedIn. Some people have a, a rule that, uh, you know, if they don't know you, can't provide value, maybe you can't sell to you, they won't connect with you. I'll connect with everybody and anybody because I know regardless of education, background, experience, job titles, that everybody and everybody can share and we can learn from one another. So just you just go to my LinkedIn profile, you hit connect or message me, follow me. And I'll learn from you. You learn from me and we'll have a, a great time. That's the that's the easiest way to connect with me, connect with me on LinkedIn and we'll go from there. Cool. So I'll keep a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes sure. and the, the books you recommended. I just want to thank the audience for listening. I uh, hope you learned a lot. I know I learned a lot, right? I've known you for some time and I still am always learning something from you. So please like, comment, subscribe, share, do whatever. If you know someone that could really get value from David's experience, feel free to share that. And David, thank you again. Look forward to keeping in touch and, you know, we'll be messaging back and forth. Have a good one, David. Hey, thank you very much. This is my first guest appearance. So thank you. You made it really easy. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information is valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias.
If you think this show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated, and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D. Last name, I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. No degree.com. Yeah. Talk to so, me. you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve we them. Got this. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. Growing and knowing, wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. You didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going, yeah.